Well, hi, everybody. I'm back, too. Thank you so much. Thank you. It gives me, it gives me great joy uh, to be able to be here with you. For those of you who may have started coming to our church since Christmas time, you wouldn't have seen me, but I'm one of the teaching pastors, and I get to hang out and help everything that we do locally and globally around the world, and it is a joy. Now, I'm going to give you a little update real quickly on my condition. You heard Pastor Bill praying about my cancer. About December 1, we learned that I had a rather rare and, and quite aggressive liver cancer uh, in my body. And since that time, we've been engaging all sorts of specialists and all of these things. Suffice it to say, uh, December 27th, I started chemotherapy treatment. And I'll be going through that for about four months. Uh, along with other therapies, I've, I'm eating more fruits and vegetables than, than I've ever eaten in my life. <laughs> um, but I want you to know that your prayers, your words, your cards, um, somebody snow, snowblowed us this week, and I was really glad. Incidentally, that address is 835. <laughs> Uh, and so many have just said, what can we do? What can we do? Well, your prayers have been immense. So very, very grateful. Uh, keep them coming. I am really doing well. I have hardly any after effects of chemo. My energies abound. Uh, hardly. And so the Lord is being so gracious to me during this time. Right around Easter is when we take a look at what the chemotherapy and the other therapies have been able to do as far as shrinkage of this major tumor with the hope that either uh, surgery or um, radiation or other things would be able to pretty much eradicate it. Uh, but that's it. So keep praying for that time. Until then, I'm working full time. I came back to work early. I finished uh, the... the uh, first draft of the manuscript on the book I'm doing on Billy Graham and turned that in during Christmas. It's just been, thank you. I, I don't know where it's all coming from. Yes, I do. Yeah. But so, so grateful. Keep praying for our brother Rob. Uh, Rob and I text almost every day. How are you feeling today? How are you feeling today? I always want to feel better than him. Uh, <laughs> but he's just been precious to us as, past, as, as a pastor to Marie and I. And uh, keep praying for him that he'll, he'll be able to return soon, be patient for his healing process. Isn't it great that he's cancer-free? Isn't that just, thank you, Lord. We love that guy. All right, so welcome, everyone. And now give me the great privilege of opening the precious Word of God and bringing our teaching for this week. We are in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1. We will be in verses 13 through a little bit into chapter 2, actually. So we're going to take a wide swath of Scripture this morning. Those of you who wish to use our Bibles on the chair racks in front of you, I think it's page number 1200 where you would go there. And um, before I start getting into the text, I thought I'd throw the four big ideas I've got. Not kind of ideas, or but things you can hang this sermon on. The ornaments you'll be able to hang these 15 or so verses on. So here's the first point we're going to make. Gird up with hope. Gird up with hope. 
that will be followed by get some holy fear in your life. Third, deeply love. And four, crave spiritual milk of his presence and his promises. So I'll be flowing through those ideas, all right? Ready, set, let's go. Hey, Balcony, how are you guys? Okay, that's my gang up there. Good, good, all right. Chapter 1, verse 13. I'm going to read just portions, comments, and then we'll go into the next. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Once again, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. I emphasize that. All right, so it says, be fully alert, sober in mind. If you look back into the original language, the words that are translated there have been translated most often as, gird up your mind. And you're familiar with girding up in ancient cultures where the men would wear robes? They couldn't do a whole lot uh, as far as moving quickly with their robes. And so when they went into uh, the fields or uh, when they went to battle, they would gird up their loins by pulling up the robe and sticking it in their belts that held their robe on, and then they could move quickly and move about. This text says, don't gird up your body, gird up your mind. Be alert, be sober in your mind. This is mental work. This is mental battle, if you will. And, and quite honestly, we can understand why. Ascending the steep climb to heaven is work. And that's what we're about. Okay, second half of the verse. The phrase, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Set your hope. What is the hope? The, the hope, again, is the assurance of things that, that we can envision but haven't happened yet. Our greatest longings are our hopes, right? They haven't occurred, but we're hoping. Set your hope, and then look what Peter does. He says, on the special grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Now, Jesus Christ had already come. He had lived on earth for 33 years. He had shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins. He had resurrected from the dead. He had ascended to the Father. He had sent the Holy Spirit. He had come. But he's coming again. And, and as, as I started studying this whole first chapter again, and maybe it's partially because of what's going on in my life, but... I just got overwhelmed with the fullness of our salvation that we don't yet possess. Now, careful, that could be heresy. Here's what I mean. Only setting our hope on his return will finalize our salvation. You say, well, does that mean I could lose my salvation here? I'm not going there at all. No, Jesus died for you. He rose from the dead. If you've received him into your life, if you've confessed your sins, you have eternal life. 
but you still carry around with you this crazy, carnal nature of warring inside in, in thoughts in words and deeds, and God's telling us what we can be and we wish we could, but we can't quite get there. And every day is a veritable war with my own mind and spirit. Yes? That's going to be obliterated when he returns. You will remember sin no more. No more plague of it. Come soon, Lord Jesus, and set this anxious soul free. Finalize our salvation. Secondly, I love this. I'm learning too late in life. These mortal bodies won't do. They just won't do. There is too much holiness and glory with Christ in us for these bodies to bear it. On top of that, the whole pick and place is full of disease and injury and accident. And, the where, and, and even if you live a full life, the whole thing starts shutting down on you. But when he is revealed, whether he returns and you're still here or you go to him. Hallelujah, what a day. For this mortal must put on the immortal and new bodies that can contain the glory of God in his redeemed people will be our way for the rest of eternity. Peter says, hang on to that stuff. Because we live in this world of diseases and contagious flus that even kill our little children. But it will not always be this way. I love to say it because my dear friend Jerry Roots here, who's one of the great C.S. Lewis scholars, here you go, Jer. Wrong will become right when Aslan comes in sight. When he, we hear his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he shakes his mane, we shall have spring again forever and ever. Peter says the way you make it through this life and all of its crisis is you focus on that. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming to me or I'm going to him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, some of you, I realize I'm talking to two kinds of people this morning um, some of you are absolutely assured that you have confessed your sins to Christ you've asked him to forgive you you've placed your life in his hands and you know you belong to him I would assume most of us here but you know what there's a hundred or two hundred of you here today that are not sure of that at all. You're not sure if you were to die tonight that you would be with God in eternity. You don't live the quality of life that you see some other Christ followers live and you're wondering, what have I missed? You could have gone to church your whole life. You could have been baptized, homogenized, sanferized, and pasteurized. 
But you haven't experienced what you sense many of these people have experienced. We're the first ones to say we got a long way to go. But we're also the first ones to say we're a lot farther than we were. Today, if you are not sure that you have received Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of your sins, I promise at the end of this message to give you that opportunity. I've written a special prayer just for you. And as I've done in the past, we'll pray that prayer. And if you sense God is calling you to himself, then I will ask you to raise your hand with all the lights on so that I can give you a blessing from here. This could be the day when your guilt is assuaged, when you are set free to begin the journey of the full salvation of Jesus Christ. Okay? So for both kinds of us, those who, who are kind of, if you will, saved but still kind of messy, <laughs> focus on what is coming. And those of us who don't even know if we're saved yet in the beginning, come to Jesus today. All right? Okay, now let's move on. Verses 14 through 17. This is interesting stuff. So now Peter moves from his first point, focus your hope on what is yet to come when Christ is revealed, okay? Two, here we go. Verse 14, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Verse 17, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Did you expect that to be the last phrase? Live out your time here in reverent fear. I call it getting some holy fear in us. Our lifestyle is to change. Peter says, turn away from the kinds of behaviors, thoughts, words, deeds, desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. You didn't know any better before Christ. But now Christ who is in you is telling you there is a different quality of life we are to live. So don't conform. They'll try to call you back. That's what I was telling you about. But you don't have to conform to them, he says. He says, and listen, incidentally, the reason you're being called to this is because God is. Because he is holy, we are called to holiness. Now, just a second here. A couple of meanings on holy, right? The first one is the one we don't think of very often. The, the, the first explanation we have of this word holy means to be set apart. Set apart from the norm. Uh, not normal. Set apart. We especially experience this in our culture, don't we? Rob did a great job on that a couple of weeks ago. Hannibal last week was just great preaching. But we realize that we have been set apart for a mission. And that mission is to do things in us and in our relationship and the world around us that the world can't do unless we do it because it can't be done unless God does it. And God lives in us. So we're set apart. We're a special calling. That's the first meaning of holy. 
And the second that we're more familiar with is trying to get gooder. It's a great Greek word, G-O-O-D-E-R. And we know that there's a war going on in us. But he is holy, so we can become holy. Let me press on that a little bit. God doesn't play favorites. There's no partiality. Listen, the new standard of living for the holy ones set apart, the new standard of living is nothing less than a God-like life. Woo! Live in reverent fear. The one who has called you is commander-in-chief of the universe. Psalms 103, God has set his throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. If I may, there is not a sin in you that God doesn't see. And there is not a sinner amongst you that God doesn't love. He's aware. And he calls his people to something higher. His love will never leave you, however. His love will battle for your life all the way through. Kind of causes me to feel afraid. Not in the sense that I would lose my salvation or anything, but I, I want to please the Almighty God. And, and it's not only to affect our inner lives, our evil desires, is, as Peter talks about, but it, it's going it's to revamp our relationships. Most of the words uh, that describe sin in the New Testament are all about relational struggle. Relationships with family. Relationships in marriage. Goodness, my life was tough enough. Then I got married. And, and I can only say that because my precious wife and I will celebrate 39 years of marriage next week. Yeah. Thank you. But we're also going to our, our group tomorrow night that our church has. It's a great group for, for marriages that need some tuning up or, or in, are in trouble. It's called Reengage. And Marie and I are speaking tomorrow night, and we title our message, Bumps, Bruises, and Finally, Blessings. All your relationships are a part of this holiness thing, is what I'm saying. God wants to work in them. And then it even goes farther. It goes societal. We're talking about making society holy through God who lives in us, because it can't be done without God, and God has chosen us to be his vehicles. Culture-wide, today in our church, we remember the sanctity of life. 1984, Ronald Reagan passed an executive order that the Sunday most closest to the 22nd of January would be a time to prioritize the lives of the unborn. We hold that strong here. Uh, Friday, I thought our whole country did because I saw the marches for life and I was thrilled. Uh, then yesterday, I saw a lot of other marches. I thought, oh, I guess everybody doesn't believe this. 
but we do. We believe that life begins at conception. We believe that God knew about you before you were yet in your mother's womb. And therefore, we pray, we protect, we march, we volunteer, we adopt children so they need not be aborted. We care for those who grieve after aborting. We will, by God's grace and love, bring his holy love to this issue till the day we die. Every life matters. So you see, our holiness is not just an internal thing and not even just a relational thing. It means culture. We could talk about other aspects. We could talk about immigration and everything else. That's part of it, gang. As God makes you holy like he is holy. Expect to be drawn into all sorts of situations. Now, you might be saying, okay, you just overwhelm me. Uh, You tell me that God's grace is free, that I can be saved apart from my works, and now you got to tell me i got to work really hard. Yep. But hang with me for a second. Think of that line again. Be holy because I am holy. Our danger is that when we hear holiness talk, we think we have to imitatio God. We have to imitate God. We can't. But we can inherit God's holiness so that he does the changing from the inside out. It's not imitation of holiness. It's being aware of what holiness is, the standards of God's word, so that we can then release ourselves to God so he can do this holiness in us because we've been adopted into his family. Listen, listen, I I saw the most fun thing this week. This is not at all spiritual. Uh, Well, maybe it is. My son is 26, and he travels around the world putting on music and art festivals. He's in Cancun right now. Uh, and, and Eric works in operations, and he works in guest services, and he sent a quick video, one-minute video, of this lineup of people waiting, waiting to get into the Bryce Adams or some country western uh, big thing that's going on down in Cancun. And all the lines are there, and the people are hot and all of this stuff. So Eric gets his guitar, and another guy had a guitar, and they're just kind of sitting on some concrete steps as all these people are in line. And they're just playing music. And it was a very spiritual song, Folsom Prison Blues by Johnny Cash. And as I watched it, the people in the line are even stepping out of the line and they're kind of dancing with the music. And I key in on my son. He strums just like I do. He smiles. My smile. He's 6'3", he's got a beard. I mean, this is not the same guy. And you know what else? Even when he turns his head and smiles, that's from me. He's me. As well as he. And when Jesus Christ takes over your life, you inherit his goodness. You start to change. You just can't help it. 
It made me smile. He made people happy. God's given me the gift to help make some people happy. He's me. And he's he. And it's all because of him. So holiness is not something you imitate. Holiness is something you inherit. You learn to trust Christ more every day so that his life starts to flow in and through you. All right. Now, look with me at verses 18 through 21. Boy, you think that was good. Look for this. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish, without defect. That, that causes the reverent fear in me too. Do you remember what God did so that you could be saved? Do you remember that the pure one, the eternal one, became human? What was that like? And then he dies for our sins. He takes the penalty of our sins upon himself. That's what Peter's going to. He says, how can you not want to be holy? How can you not be in reverent fear when you think of what the God of the universe did for you? Huh? And then look. I don't think I ever knew this before this week. Maybe I did. Jerry probably taught it to me and I forgot it. Look at verse now. 20, he, Jesus, was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Reading that in several of the different translations, it looks to me like what it is saying is this. Before God created his universe, God the Son was already foreordained to rescue it. I've never thought of it that way. God created the heavens and the earth. He created humankind in his own likeness, and everything he made was very good. But then mankind got involved, and we got some evil stuff going, and we got into big trouble, so God had to provide a rescue mission. This text suggests that God had planned the, re the rescue mission before he created the world. If that doesn't cause reverent fear, I don't know what does. Glory to God on high. Glory to Jesus Christ, his son. It's always been part of the plan. Wow. 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 I need to say again, if you've not given your life to Jesus Christ yet, if you've been trying to make life work on your own without Christ, come to him today. At the end of the message, I'll give you away. You need to get in on this, everybody. You need to sense his call upon your life and his sovereign love, which before the foundation of creation itself had already determined that you would need to be rescued. Wow.
Well, the next thing, this one's short, but it's poignant. It's really just 22 and 23. Let me read them to you. And, and the theme is, of course, deeply love, deeply love. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the bottom of your heart. For you have been born again. There it is. Born again. Third time in chapter 1, born again. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. What's perishable seed? Perishable seed is, is sperm and egg. Imperishable seed is God himself birthing you new by his entrance into your being and your life tied in with him. And so love one another. I kind of wondered why this verse is there, why he pressed this right at the end, you know, the whole, the whole love thing. And you know what it comes down to, I think? I think this is such a crazy world, and our lives are so crazy, that we need to hang out with each other as much as we can because we're really all we got. You know? That's why I love being with you, and I hope you love being with us. If you're not in, a, in one of our groups, we have alpha groups for people investigating God. We have rooted groups for people just launching in Christ. And then we've got these life groups. My goodness, I don't know what I'd do without these men and women in my life. Love deeply from the heart. You haven't lived until you've been loved deeply from the heart. I know that because I've experienced it. And I don't mean just God, I mean others. And may I also say this, you haven't lived until you've learned to love others like that. It's part of the holiness gig. Need to forgive somebody? Probably. Need to move on? Probably. Love one another deeply from the heart. It's really all we got going. <laughs> Help us hang in as foreigners in a strange land. Well, finally, he ties it all together. And I see this actually in chapter 2. Forgive me for not being able to cover all the verses. But look at chapter 2. And I especially ask you to camp in on the second verse. Like newborn babes, crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Crave spiritual milk. What does that mean? Crave the promises and the presence of God. Crave it like the perfect food. Crave it like the newborn baby who only mother's milk is pure for them. For me and you, it's the promises and the presence of God. I also like the fact that he used an image, sometimes an image, is worth a thousand words. Guess what this is? Crave the perfect food, the spiritual milk of God's presence and his promises. Do you mind if I drink it in front of you? I, I can because I'm sick. 
once taste God, only God will do. For those of you who don't know Christ yet, today may be your day. Please look up at this prayer we have here. And after we have a bit of reflection, I'm going to lead you in this prayer. And for all of you here in the balcony or the main uh, floor, if there are many of you here, and there were, we had eight or ten people in the first service alone that said, I'm not connected to God the way you're talking about, and I want to be. This prayer is what I will pray with you. And then if it expresses the desire of your mind and heart, I will ask you to raise your hand so that I can give you a blessing. So meditate on it for just a moment before I pray. Sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found is where you are. And where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. If that is the desire of your heart, and if you sense God is calling you, pray this prayer now after me. Dear God, I need you. Forgive me for every sin in my life. Thank you that you gave your precious blood to save me. I place my life in your hands today. Fill me with your presence and your promises. And if you prayed that, friends, just say amen out loud. Amen. Those of you who prayed it with me, allow me the chance to give you blessing. I always start over here, and then I move across the room. Those of you who prayed that with me, would you please raise your hand so I can give you a blessing? In the far back, yes, young lady. Yes, sir, right here. Absolutely. Yes, sir, sitting on the end, I see that. Others over here, welcome to God's family. Blessings over here, people, right here. All right, let's go to the center now. You prayed that with me. Oh, welcome, sweetie. Yes, sir. Others in this section, God bless you, sir. Somebody almost scratched their face. I nearly counted them. In the far back, yes, God loves you, dear. Over here, this side. Yes, sir, God bless you. He'll never leave you. Yes, yes, sir, I see you there. God bless you. Yes, in the far back, wonderful. Another one there, yes, thank you. And you too, pal, welcome. God will never leave you or forsake you. How about balcony? Come on, guys. 
I see you there, right there. God bless you. Any over here? Yes, in the far back. I see you in the top row, ma'am. I think it's a ma'am from here. Center. Yes, I see a couple of hands up there. Yes, one man with both hands up. God bless you. He'll never leave you. Yes, over here. Yes, okay, one or two there. Over here now, the last two sections. Any of you? Oh, the glory of God. He will never leave you or forsake you. Church, can we say thank you for what God is doing here for people? Now, just one more instruction for those of you who did raise your hands. It would really bless me and bless us if you came down to be with our prayer counselors afterwards. They'll be here. They have this booklet to give you that we wrote about how to know God personally. We want to give you that. And if you are willing to provide your email, uh, Marie and I want to send you a letter either today or tomorrow about this new life that you're offered in Christ. The Lord bless you. Let's stand and worship him now in song.